appreciate that. That's always wonderful to hear the trumpet and the piano together like that. I appreciate Brother Joel, Miss Heidi, uh, and all they do with our music. Uh, there's also someone else uh, this morning I'd like to really show appreciation to uh, who also helps with our music and things. And, of course, that's Brother Shane. And, uh, Shane, if you want to make your way up here for a second, uh, Shane does all of our uh, choir, obviously, our congregational songs, um, all of the stuff that you see on the screens and uh, the media and things like that, our website, all of that is, uh, that's all because of Brother Shane, and so he just does a phenomenal job. Uh, I mean, even putting, even just putting together all the flyers uh, and things like this, uh, there's, there's a lot on the table that he does, uh, and so we just, uh, we appreciate him. Uh, Brother Shane's been with us for five years now. That makes me feel old. <laughs> Five years that he's been with us. Uh, He came uh, right after he graduated and uh, moved up here. And I said, hey, if you don't have any plans, why don't you come up and help us at the church and uh, help with our music and things like that. And Brother Shane has been such a blessing here uh, at our church. And we are so thankful that uh, he found a wife, right? I mean, that's like... Yes, we were, we were wondering there, and we're thankful that Rachel had pity on him and uh, ended up marrying him, and of course now uh, they have little Aria, and so we're just really thankful for Brother Shane. And uh, just as a, a token of our, uh, just our love and appreciation, we have a little gift we want to give to you, Shane. Just say thank you for being here for five years. Appreciate all you do, buddy. God bless you. Amen. bless you. Amen. Uh, I, I, in the early service, I told them, I said uh, basically kind of the same thing, but I said, um, uh, we have the gift for you in the second service. You have to act surprised again, like you didn't know it was happening. And um, with having two services, you have to kind of do everything, you know, everything you try to do is, is the same, similar, right? Uh, but it doesn't always work that way. But I didn't think we could give them the gift twice, you know. Um, but, uh, so, but at least uh, we do appreciate all that he does. Uh, here at the church. John chapter number 15. John chapter uh, 15. John chapter 15. And I've been encouraging you to read through the book of John chapter 15 or through the chapter, John chapter 15. And um, a week ago or two weeks ago when we first started, I, I said, hey, I want you to read through John chapter 15. And some of you read through that. And then last week I said, I want you to do it again. I want you to read through John chapter 15. Uh, how many of you read this week through John chapter 15? All right, very good. That's great. Very good. That's good. And you say, Pastor, why do you, why do you keep wanting us to read through John chapter 15? Well, one, that's because where we're at. And then two, the more we read through it, the more I believe that God will use it to work in our hearts. Uh, the more we can hide God's word in our hearts, uh, I believe the more important that is. And so we have to be in it. Uh, plus, it allows us to really think about what we're reading. It's not just reading it one time and then we're done. We're reading it again and going back through it and thinking about it and reading it again, going back through and thinking about it. So again, I want to challenge you again this week. Uh, read through John chapter 15. You say, Pastor, how many times are you going to do this? As long as we're in this series, Abide in Me. So you might as well just get used to it, right? As long as we're in this series, in John chapter 15, Abide in Me, I'm going to challenge you every week to read through John chapter 15. So if you haven't done it yet, you might as well just get it done and do it, right? Just do it, because every week I'm going to be asking, how many have read through it? Uh, and, and I'm going to challenge you again, read through John chapter 15. It's only 27 verses, right? Only 27 verses. It doesn't take that long to read through. But I don't want you just to read through it to read through it. I want you to read through it and think about what it's saying. Think about it and allow God to speak to your heart through it. John chapter 15, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you'd use it, Lord, this morning to speak to our hearts, and the Lord just draw us closer to you. Lord, we do pray, Lord, that if there might be someone that may not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, you'd speak to their heart and draw them to yourself. Lord, for Christians this morning, Lord, help us to truly understand how vital it is that we abide in you. And Lord, just work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to draw your attention to verse number four and five this morning. This is where we started last week, just in that first little phrase, abide in me. And last week, we looked at the two invitations that Jesus gives, the invitation to come, that is for anyone to come to Jesus, and the invitation to abide. That invitation to abide is only for those who are willing to come to Jesus, though. Though only those who are willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he offers that invitation to abide, to remain, to stay. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me... Ye can do nothing. I want you to think about this idea that he's speaking about here this morning of the vine and the branch. The vine and the branch. The vine and the branch. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. He keeps going back to this. I am the vine, you're the branches. The vine and the branch, the branch and the vine. The branch and the vine... You cannot have one without the other and expect to bear fruit. You can't have one without the other and think that you're going to be able to bear fruit. The branch in and of itself really is nothing. It's just a piece of wood. Because the branch receives the nutrients from the vine. But the vine needs the branch to be able to bear the fruit. And as the vine pulls those nutrients and the food and it passes it on to the branch and then through the branch, the fruit is able to be produced. You see, the branch needs the vine and the vine needs the branch. Abiding in Christ and bearing fruit are intertwined. You cannot have one without the other. 
You cannot expect to bear fruit if you're not abiding in the vine. And if you're abiding in the vine, you will bear fruit. They're, they're, they're interlocked. They, you cannot have the one without the other. And just as the branch needs the vine and the vine needs the branch, Christ needs us, the branch, to bear the fruit. But we need him, the vine, to produce the fruit through us. Now, please understand me this morning. I don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. I understand that God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need us. It is only by the grace of God that he has chosen to save us. It's only by the grace of God that that he is willing to to save us and to to give us uh, eternal life and, and to use us. But he has chosen to use us. And so because he has chosen to use us, just as that vine needs the branch and the branch needs the vine, so Christ needs you and I. He's not here physically anymore. He has ascended into heaven. And so he needs us here to be the branch but we who are the branch must have the vine because if we are not in the vine then there is no life you see both of them are intertwined you cannot have one without the other but i want you to notice here he says as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. It's interesting, he's talking about bearing fruit, but then he says that it is possible not to bear fruit. It's possible not to bear fruit, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Again, think about it. The branch is not what is producing the fruit. The vine is the one producing the fruit. And as the vine receives the food and the nutrient, it passes it through the branch and the branch simply bears what the vine is produced, the fruit. But I wonder if we could ask this question this morning, understanding that the vine is Christ and the branch are you and I as Christians. We are those branches in the vine I wonder if I could say this morning, as we understand his purpose in that the branches are to bear the fruit, I wonder if we could ask this morning, is every Christian bearing the fruit that the vine wants to produce through it? Think with me about that. Is every Christian bearing the fruit that the vine wants to produce through it. Not what the branch wants to produce. But are we bearing the fruit that the vine wants to produce? I'm afraid, if we were to answer this question honestly, that many, many, many Christians would have to answer it and say, no. We are not bearing the fruit that the vine wants us to produce. So what is it that causes the branch not to bear fruit? What is it that interrupts the communication between the vine and the branch? Because again, his purpose is that the branch would bear fruit. He wants us to be fruit bearing. He wants us to be able to produce that fruit. But yet there are many Christians who are not. They're in Christ, and we can be thankful that because of the mercy and grace of God, that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save us from our sins, we have been placed in the vine, 
So then why aren't we producing the fruit? What is it that's hindering us from bearing fruit? I want to look at a few things this morning. Hindrances to bearing fruit. What is preventing us? What's preventing the fruit in our lives? Because I believe I could say that every Christian could probably produce more fruit. I think that's safe to say. I don't think that there's any Christian that is producing all that the vine wants to produce through us. We could all produce more. So what's hindering us? What's preventing that fruit from being produced through our lives? First of all, this morning, we're going to look at the hindrances to bearing fruit. We're going to look at four hindrances this morning, and then we're going to look at the remedy for those four hindrances, all right? So bear with me this morning. We're going to look at these four hindrances. We'll go through these a, a little bit quicker because I really want to spend more time on the, the remedy than on the hindrances, right? But I wonder this morning if maybe in these four things that we would be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, am I in one of these categories? Is there some category here that I am in? Hindrances to bearing fruit. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. We cannot bear fruit by ourselves. We must abide in him. So what is it that hinders our fruit bearing? Number one, obstructions. Obstructions. You say, what are obstructions? I believe obstructions are sin. When we allow sin in our life, it obstructs, it blocks that fellowship with him. When we allow sin to remain in our life, Instead of allowing the life of Christ to flow through us, now we are allowing our flesh to be in control. When we allow sin to remain in our life, now please don't don't misunderstand me here. When I say we're blocking that fellowship, before we were saved, before a person put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are separated from God. They're totally separated from God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're not sure if you died, where you would go, the Bible says you are dead in trespasses and sins. The word dead means separated. You are separated from God because of your sin. But here's the wonderful thing. The wonderful news is that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross to redeem you, to to bring you back, to forgive you of your sin so that you could be put in a right relationship with God. You could be placed into the vine. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, friend, that is the most important decision you can ever make in your life. We'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you are in the vine. But for a Christian, you say, well, now that I'm saved, and unfortunately there are some religions that teach this, that they would say, well, now that you're saved, you will never sin. (laughs) I wish that was true. (laughs) Don't you? Don't you wish that was true? It's not true, by the way. The Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, uh, the Bible is very clear that, that we have to live a sanctified life, that we are trying to become more and more like Jesus Christ because the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior, we just don't become perfect. No, we still sin. 
That's why when you think about it here, he talks about the husbandman, and we'll talk about this in a moment, how he has to, to prune and, and to remove some things. Well, what? why? Because there is sin in our life. There can be sin there, and this sin obstructs that fellowship. So before we were saved, we are separated from God, but now that we put our faith and trust in Christ, we have been placed into Christ, and we have that relationship with Him. But then as a Christian, we can still sin And when we sin, we are not separated from God again, but it does block that fellowship. Our fellowship is not what it needs to be. That's why even David, in in the book of Psalms, after he has sinned and committed adultery and murder, he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He doesn't say, I lost my salvation and I had to get it back. No, 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 no. He lost his joy. He lost his fellowship. And unfortunately, there are many Christians who are not bearing fruit because they are allowing sin to remain in their life. That sin is obstructing that fruit bearing. How many have allowed sin to block the vine from producing fruit in our lives? That's why David says in Psalms chapter 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, yes, we understand he hears everything, but he's not going to answer because we have sin in our life. You say, well, what sin could, what sin could obstruct this, uh, this, this fruit bearing? Well, it could be anything, really. People think, well, murder and all that kind of stuff. Well, yes, that's true. That could as well. But so could anger. So could bitterness. Deceitfulness. Lying. Unfaithfulness. There, there are... There are many things that can cause that that fellowship to be broken with the Lord. And as long as we allow sin to remain in our life, that fellowship is not going to be there. There's an obstruction there. There's something that's blocking that that life-giving flow of, of the Savior's life. Because remember, His life is to flow through the branch so that the branch is able to bear the fruit. But as long as we allow sin to remain, it's blocking that, that life flow is not able to get through. And hence, there is no fruit being produced. I wonder, is there something obstructing the fruit from being produced in your life this morning? Is there some sin in your life that you know it's there? Maybe nobody else knows. You've, you've hit it, but you know it's there. And God knows it's there. And God says, as long as that remains, I can't produce that fruit that I want to in your life. As long as that sin remains, you're going to be fruitless. There's not going to be the fruit. What about number two? What about distractions? Distractions are different than obstructions. Distractions are what happens when we are just really consumed with everything that is going on around us. When we get distracted with all that we're doing, some things may not even be bad. But we aren't allowing, again, His life to flow through us so we won't bear fruit. We get distracted by all the things that are going. We get distracted by things at work. We get distracted by by our finances. We get distracted by our children. We get distracted by by our home. We get distracted by uh, our hobbies. We get distracted by so many different things. The world knows exactly how to get us distracted, right? 
I mean, the devil knows exactly what buttons to push to get our eyes off of Jesus and onto something else. And we get distracted, and as long as we're distracted, as long as we're looking somewhere else, as long as we're not paying attention, the devil's happy. Hey, as long as you're not bearing fruit, I don't care what you do. You don't even have to sin. Just don't bear fruit. Let me just get you distracted by something. We get so distracted by how busy we are and all we have to do that we forget our primary purpose of being in the vine, and that is to bear fruit. How many know what a life coach is? Anybody know what a life coach is? Like three of you? Really? Okay, there's a few more. All right. So a a life coach, and um, I've heard of life coaches and I uh, wasn't really sure exactly what a life coach was. And so one day I looked up what a life coach does. This is what a life coach does. Life coaches, and this is almost, if you look at all these different websites about life coaches, they almost use the exact same definition, almost verbatim. I mean, there might be a little change here, there, but it's almost verbatim, right? Life coaches aid their clients in improving their relationships, careers, and day-to-day lives. Life coaches can help you clarify your goals, identify the obstacle holding you back, and then come up with strategies for overcoming each obstacle. Isn't that amazing? Only these people know how to do that. Isn't that great? I mean, you can hire a life coach. Yeah, they cost, right? You got to pay for them, right? So you have to hire someone to come and examine your life, right? You have to hire someone to come and you lay out your whole schedule before them. You tell them everything you're doing, everything that you want to do. These are the goals that I want to accomplish. This is the financial goals I want to accomplish. This is the, you know, whatever goals I want to accomplish. And then the life coach looks at everything and he says, hmm, in my wisdom, here's what I think you need to do. You need to, you need to stop doing this. And, and because to meet your financial goal, you need to stop spending money on this and, and stop doing this. And if you'll, if you'll follow these steps, then you'll be able to meet your goals, right? Because again, what does it say? Uh, to, to clarify your goals, identify the obstacles holding you back, and then come up with a strategy for overcoming each obstacle. So here's the, here's the obstacles holding you back. If you'll get rid of these things, then you'll be able to reach your goal. You know what's really amazing? People listen to them. People listen to them. I mean, they pay these thousands and thousands of dollars for this life coach to come in, and they listen to him, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, you're so right. You know what? I shouldn't do that anymore, and so I'm going to stop doing that. Oh, yeah, man, you're so right. I shouldn't be spending money on that, so I'm not going to do that anymore, and they'll stop spending money. They listen to these life coaches. Can I tell you about the greatest life coach that has ever lived? His name is Jesus. Now, here's a problem. Why will we pay money for a human being to tell us what our goals in life ought to be and how to overcome these obstacles to reach our goals when Jesus Christ has given everything that we need here in his word and we don't listen to him? Amen. Right? I mean, he, he is the life coach. He is life coach. He knows everything that is going on in your life. He knows everything that is good for you, everything that needs to be there. And yet, instead of listening to him, we'll go to someone else and say, man, my life is really messed up. I'm just so busy. I just don't know what to do. And so can you help me? 
Why, why don't we go to him? Why don't we go to the life coach and say, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? Your purpose is bearing fruit. All right, Lord, that's it. Your purpose is for me to bear fruit and to live for you. That's my goal. All right, Lord, help me remove any obstacle that's not helping me do that. Why will we listen to people and pay them thousands and thousands of dollars, but yet when Jesus Christ says, this is what I want you to, well, no, sorry, that's not going to work for me. You see, we've become so distracted by all that the world has to offer, we think that they really have the, the satisfaction and the, the life figured out, so we listen to them instead of listening to the very one who's told us exactly what he wants. Abide in me. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Abide in me. Have we become so distracted? Are there some things in our life, and I would dare say that there probably are in every one of our lives, things that, that we need to sit down and say, you know what, that shouldn't be there. We need to do, we need to have a spiritual life examination. In other words, we need to sit down and see how busy we are with all the things that we're doing compared to how busy we are fulfilling our purpose in bearing fruit. And I would probably say we'll find that we're spending much more time being busy than we are fulfilling our purpose. Because we have become so distracted by everything. And there's no fruit. It's very interesting. When you, when you compare this passage, if you go back with me to Matthew chapter 13 real quick. In Matthew chapter 13, you have the parable of the sower. And in this parable, Jesus speaks of, he speaks of four different types of ground. There are four different types of ground that he speaks of here in this passage. There is the there's a stony ground, there is a, a good ground, there is a, a ground that is uh, choked by, by thorns, right? And he, he talks about the, these different types of ground here. But I want you to notice what he says here. Notice in verse number, um, uh, look, at, look in verse number 20. Verse number 20. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not right. Look back in verse number um, Uh, I believe it's 22, I'm sorry, 22. He also that received seed among the thorns, so there's the thorny ground, is he that heareth the word, and watch this next phrase, and the care of this world. Would you say that with me? The care of this world. Come on, say it with me together. The care of this world. So he's received the seed, but what? The care of this world, and watch what he says here, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh, what's that last word? Unfruitful. Unfruitful. What's happened here? He says, oh, the seed was planted and they received the seed. But what happened? As the seed began to grow, it began to get distracted. 
It was distracted by the cares of the world. Oh, what's going on over here? And, and we've got to do this with family. And we've got to do this at work. And we've got to do this. And we've become di- distracted by the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Well, I've got to have this promotion. And we've got to keep up with the Joneses over here. And we've got to have this over here. And, and I've got to make sure my kids have the best of this. And we get so distracted by everything that the world has to offer that we are not fulfilling our purpose and we are unfruitful. And here's the thing. Again, many times distractions are not necessarily sin. Look, family is important. Your job is important. It's important to take care of your home and things like this. But when those things become our sole purpose and focus in life, then they now become wrong. They become sin. Now, they were not sin in the first place. But when that becomes our sole focus and our sole purpose now that we are so consumed and so distracted by all of these things, then it becomes sin. And we become unfruitful because of the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the distractions cause us to become unfruitful. There's a third thing, I believe, though, as well. And we find that really even... Even here in Matthew chapter 13, we've looked at obstructions. There's distractions as well, but I believe there is a hindrance to bearing fruit in many Christians' lives, and that is fear. They're simply afraid. I'm afraid to follow the Lord. I'm afraid of what he he might ask of me. I'm afraid of what he's going to require of me. Look, if you can trust him for your salvation, you don't have to be afraid to live for him. If you can say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my eternal destiny, you don't have to be afraid of what he's going to ask of you here on the earth. You can trust him. But we're afraid. And and even to the point of even persecution, we're afraid to tell somebody about Jesus. We're afraid to talk to our family members because they might laugh at us. And we're afraid to, to knock on somebody's door because they might slam the door in our face. We're afraid to talk to our coworker because they might get mad at us. And what happens? Notice what he says back in verse number 20. He says, but he that received the seed into stony places, there's the stony ground, the same is here that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the world, by and by he is offended. We get so afraid of what are they going to think? What's the world going to say? What are they going to do? Instead of saying, hey, what does the vine think? What does the vine want to do through me? I'm simply the branch. The vine is trying to produce the fruit through me. I shouldn't be worried about what they're thinking. I need to be worried about the vine. I shouldn't be worried about what the world is thinking. I need to be worried about what the vine thinks. What does he think of what I am doing? Yet we become so afraid and we allow fear to keep us from producing fruit. And then lastly, under these hindrances, there is the fear or there is the hindrance of simply being unconcerned. There's no concern. No desire to bear fruit. And may I say, I believe this is the most dangerous place for a Christian to be. Sure, we can have obstructions, we can have sin in our life, and we're going to look at the remedies of that in just a moment. There can be distractions, there, there can be fear, but I believe with all of my heart that this is the, the, the worst place for a Christian to be where there is simply no desire 
no concern at all for God. Oh, I, I'm saved. I, I know I'm saved. I, I remember when I put my faith and trust in Christ, and, and maybe for a while there was, there was a desire to follow God. Maybe for a while there was a desire to bear fruit, but no longer is that desire there. Maybe it's because of the obstructions. Maybe I've let that sin remain in my life too long. Maybe it's the distraction. I've just been so distracted that there's no desire anymore. But whatever it is, there's no desire anymore. There's an unconcern. I have no desire at all to bear fruit. And Christian, if that's you this morning, one, you're on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. Because as we look through this passage in John chapter 15, he says, those that do not bear fruit, what does, he de- what does he say? He says he cuts them off. He purges them. Now, again, do not misunderstand me. I'm not talking about losing salvation at all. There, there's no place in Scripture where God ever threatens a loss of salvation. He has given us eternal life. That is forever. But he can cut off the blessings. He can just remove anything that is good into our life. Because we've just said, I don't care, God. I'm just going to live my life the way you want, that I want to live it. And I don't care. I have no desire for the things of God. I have no desire for, to bear fruit. You say, Pastor, we're, we're in church. Shouldn't you be telling that to people out of church? Uh, You'd be amazed how many people can sit in a church week after week after week after week and have no desire at all to bear fruit. There's no concern for the things of God. I ask you this morning, are you in one of those categories? Say, if I am, what do I do? Well, I'd like to bring the second point to you right now. The remedy for it. What is the remedy The remedy is, number two, the sufficiency of the vine. The sufficiency of the vine. Abide in me, he says. Abide in me. When we think of these four things we've looked at, these obstructions and distractions and fear and a lack of concern, in the vine we find that he has the answer to all of them. He offers forgiveness to restore. If we have sin in our life, if there's something obstructing, he offers forgiveness Yes, we are in the vine and and we have put our faith and trust in Christ. But if there's something that is breaking that fellowship, he says, look, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you know that there's sin, but you're just going to be like, ah, no, I don't have sin. I don't have sin. I don't have a problem with sin. He says, you're deceiving yourself. You're not deceiving God. He already knows it's there. He says, you're deceiving yourself. But, he says, if you will admit that there is sin there, that sin has separated and broken that fellowship that you have with the Father, broken that fellowship with the vine, he says this, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is, he is sufficient. He says, look, you're, I want you to abide in me, and if you will just admit it and confess it, I'll, for, I'll forgive it, I'll forsake it, and, and you'll be able to have that life flowing through the branch again. But as long as we hold on, as long as we keep that obstruction there, we'll never be able to bear fruit. But he says, I offer you forgiveness. I offer you forgiveness to restore you where you need to be. Do you need that forgiveness this morning? Is there some sin in your life that you know is obstructing 
the fruit bearing? What about a distraction? What's the remedy for a distraction? He offers the word to keep us focused. He offers the word to keep us focused from these distractions. If you think about what he says in verse number three, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He talks about the word. He talks about abiding in his word. Abide in me and my words abide in you. His words are so important. The word of God is so vital. Later on in John chapter 17 and verse number 17, he says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. If we have a problem of being distracted, you know what we need to do? We need to get back into the word of God and find out what his purpose and his plan is for our life. If we are distracted, we need to sit down and say, all right, God, hey, you are going to be the life coach, my life coach. Lord, what do you want and what do you want me to remove? You know why we don't? Because we're afraid what he'll ask us to remove. We're afraid that what he'll ask us to stop doing because we enjoy it too much. We don't think we really need it. And that's why we don't really take time for the word. It's interesting, if you ever watch in some horse races, they put something on around the horse's eyes. They're called blinders. When I was a kid, I could never understand why they would blind a horse for a race. Some of you will get that in a second. You're going to blind a horse, and yet he's a racehorse. That doesn't make sense at all. Until I understood what a blinder was. A blinder didn't blind the horse from seeing. It blinded him from distractions around him. The blinders were something you'd put on the eyes of a horse so that the horse would only see in front. You know what we need to do? We need to put on some spiritual blinders and say, Lord, I've been distracted a little too much. I've gotten away a little too much, Lord. I've been distracted by all these different things. And I need to get back in your word. Lord, I need to, to focus on you. I need to focus on you want, what you want for me. He offers his word. Will we take it? He offers forgiveness and restoration. Will we accept it? He's not going to force it, but he offers. Fear, he offers power to overcome fear. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, he says. Hey, he says, I'm, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you love. I want you to have a sound mind. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to talk about how good God has been to you and to let others know what God has done for you. Why would we be ashamed of that? We shouldn't be ashamed. He says, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but be thou partaker of, of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. He says, he's called us for his purpose. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to live boldly. It's amazing, you go and you read uh, in the early part of the church and how Peter and John, and they would go to the temple and preach, and the people began to say, man, the, who are these guys? We know that they're unlearned men, but yet they speak with such power and such boldness. Where did they get that from? From the vine. They got it from the vine. Why? Because everything comes from the vine. 
Everything good comes from the vine. We just have to be attached. We just have to be abiding in him. And when we abide in him, we can get victory over our fear. The world wants us to be afraid. The devil wants you to be afraid because as long as you're afraid and you keep silent, nobody will hear about Jesus. No fruit will be produced. But he offers power to overcome fear. No desire. He offers the desire to glorify the Father. In verse number 8, he says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. I don't know of any child that does not want the approval of mom and dad. Maybe mom and dad aren't, maybe mom and dad aren't in the picture. But there's an aunt or an uncle or there's a mentor. There's someone there in their life that they, they want the approval of. They want to make them proud. And God says as his children, that desire to make the father proud, to glorify the father is there. And he gives that to us. He offers it to us. When we abide in him, there is that desire to glorify him. That's what he says. Herein is my father glorified that she bear much fruit. Again, remember the, the, the bearing fruit and abiding in him, they, they are together. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot abide in him without bearing fruit and you cannot bear fruit without abiding in him. So how are we able to bear fruit to glorify the Father? It's by abiding in him. He says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Why? Why were we able to bear the fruit? Because I was abiding in him. And he produced the fruit through me. Everything comes through him. It comes from him, just passes through me and the fruit is able to be produced. You see the sufficiency of the vine. He offers forgiveness. He offers the word. He offers power. He offers the desire to glorify the Father. Let me ask you this morning, are you finding your sufficiency in the vine? Do you find sufficiency in the vine? Or are you looking somewhere else? Because if you're looking somewhere else, number one, you're not going to find sufficiency there. And number two, you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to bear fruit. Say, Pastor, how much fruit do I have to bear? That's not important. That's not up to you anyway. It's up to the vine. It's up to the vine. The vine is the one that decides how much fruit is produced through you, not you. You say, well, how much is he going to produce? I don't know. The Bible says some produce a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. You say, well, does the one that only produces thirty less than the one that produces a hundred? No, no, no. If they're all abiding in him and they're all allowing him to, be, to produce fruit to them, then they all are glorifying the Father. All of them. It's not about how much. Because that's not up to you and me. That's up to the vine. What's up to us is are we going to allow the vine to produce fruit through us? Or are we going to keep preventing the fruit from being produced? We're going to keep that sin and that obstruction that is there. 
we're going to keep those distractions. We're going to keep that fear. We're going to keep that unconcerned desire for the things of God. Or we can find sufficiency in the vine. And he offers the remedy for every single one of those things. The question is, what will we do? Will we say there's sufficiency in the vine and I don't have to go anywhere else? I just need to abide in him. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. No one looking about this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Christian, can I ask you this morning? Do you find yourself in one of these areas preventing fruit from being produced? Is there some obstruction there? Is there some sin that you've allowed and kept in your life? And you know that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, you need to get this right. Friend, he offers forgiveness to restore. Is there some distraction? May not necessarily be sin yet. But you can see there's distractions coming that's keeping you from producing fruit. He offers his word to keep us focused. Are we focused on his purpose? Have we allowed fear to prevent us from producing fruit? Christian, he doesn't want you to be afraid. He offers power to overcome fear. Have you just lost your desire to produce fruit? There's just no desire there. No desire for the things of God. He offers the glory of God. The desire to glorify the Father if we'll just come to Him. If we'll abide in Him and in His sufficiency. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. If you were to die today, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I would go. Would you let us take the Word of God, God's Word, and show you how you could be saved? How you could have your sins forgiven? How you could be in the vine? Maybe there's somebody here this morning who say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Would you just slip your hand up right now, put it right back down? Nobody's going to come to you, not going to call you out. You say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. Slip it up and put it right back down. And Christian, are we allowing him to produce the fruit that he wants to produce in our life? Or have we allowed something in our life that's preventing that? Father, I pray you'd work through the invitation. Lord, as you've already begun speaking to hearts, I pray that we would act upon it and be obedient to what you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all stand to our feet.